0: Welcome to Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650, Jamie Dodd and my co-host Canucks insider Thomas Drance here on the show. Drance are covering the team for the Athletic as well. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at D-L-E-A-M-C dot com. We are live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? 6.50. 6.50 is the Dumbbar Lumber text line. What's going on, Andreas? Oh, not much, bud. Good to have you back. Good how to is, be uh, back. How was the morning show? Uh, honestly, it's fun. I like working with Prof. I like working with Halford, too. I like, uh, I feel like I'm very like, tactful of you. I feel like I'm like a, um, a recurring character on the Halford and Bruff show yes. now, or it's like, I'm not in every episode, but I pop right. up from time to time
1: <laughs> and like, I enjoy it. I hope the listeners enjoy it too. Know, like Stephen A. Smith in days of our lives. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, basically. Very
0: cool. Or like the lawyer and Kramer or something, you know, or Kramer Seinfeld.
1: Yep. Um,
0: Jackie Childs? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> Sick reference. <bro>. Sick reference.
1: <laughs> uh, well, anyway. Good, good to have you back, Jackie.
0: Yes, thank you. Um 650, 650 as I
1: mentioned, Dodd? the dumbar. Jimmy,
0: Jackie, whatever. Hey, it's all good. Uh, Lots to get into today. We'll do the whiteboard here momentarily. Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic will join us at 1230 uh, to look ahead to the Blues, of course, who are in town tomorrow night as the Canucks continue this homestand pre-All-Star break. And uh, we'll get you an update from Canucks practice. I believe they're just taking the ice at Rogers Arena as well as... uh, Producer Dom told us before the show, big breaking news at practice, new helmets, chrome helmets, apparently. So we'll, maybe we'll get Dom to do the full helmet breakdown, the fashion breakdown for us later on uh, in the show. But as mentioned, let's start with the whiteboard.
1: All right now, fellas, let's focus up. huh?
0: It's the whiteboard, your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks for today, January twenty. 23- Third, the Canucks beat the Chicago Blackhawks 2-0 last night, Rogers Arena. Not one of their most impressive performances of the year, Drancer, but really. We all saw the lineup that the Blackhawks were icing. I mean, really, this game was notable notable more than anything else for the absence of Connor Bedard, who missed his chance uh, to play his first NHL game in his hometown against his hometown team in the Canucks. Canucks scored twice early, and, you know, Chicago had some chances, but really, this one was never in doubt. There was never a moment of suspense where you thought this one was going the other way. Nope.
1: The... um You know, people will say like, hey, you know, I don't know that they played that well. The Blackhawks certainly were game. They skated with them. Their effort level, they outworked them and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. It's like the Canucks were like dismissive. They put in a dismissive performance, right? They basically iced the game at about 80% in the first five minutes, left no doubt, and then threw it in cruise control. You know they they distributed their ice time in a very balanced fashion. The only The only area that I thought the Blackhawks looked good at all was on the Power play. And a lot of that I thought was Nick Felino. right? Like I thought Nick, Nick Felino at the net front on the power play is mm. still a monster, a beast. Uh, won a lot of battles down low, kept kept the puck moving on retrievals. Vancouver's on a really good run. PK wise, but dating back a month, do you you want to guess their shorthanded save percentage? I'll give you an over-under and you can guess. Really high, sure. (laughs) I'll I'll give give you an over-under and you can guess. (laughs) Okay, 9.42.5 Wow, I'm going to take the over no, it's under. Oh, but but wow. like, just I, I tried to trick you. <laughs> you, it was you did n- nine thirty nine, though. Still pretty good. <laughs> Still <laughs> pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. That's Vesna numbers, <laughs> shorthanded. Um, you know that that was the only area where like that, and that remains the only area where I'm not convinced. Uh, uh, connects have now peaked above eighty percent. Yep, on the PK, and I don't want to take away from like the stunning organizational success on just about every level, like player acquisition, coaching, player performance, that just being within a normal range on the penalty kill represents for this organization based on where they've been the last three years, right? Like this is a stunning success, but I just want to throw like a little salt bay of salt on this in that, you know, I still think the Canucks are, slightly below average on the PK don't don't look at this run and confuse it with like and this team's found an elite gear mm. on the penalty kill. Uh, I think they're on an elite run of goaltending on the penalty kill. But as kill. you said, just being in that mix for like average and not towards well, the very bottom of the league but is they were, such a big deal. They've kind of been there for most of the year. Yeah, sure. You know, like e- e- even when their power play was like scuffling a bit, mm. it was like 20th in in sort of. So, I, I mean, you know, since about mid November when things stabilized, because it had a bit of a tough start. Um, and I, I think they've figured out some things, right? We've seen like. Neil Zaman, Teddy yep. Bluger's return was a huge help. Dakota Joshua's ice time is ramped up. Ian Cole's ice time is ramped up. Tyler Myers's ice time is ramped up. The club's using some of those skilled guys who were like really central to the PK early in the year. Whether it was Hronik or Miller or uh, Hughes, like slightly less. Uh, I think that's worked. I think uh, I think it's done well. But I do think I do think that's still like a trouble spot. Still something I'd like to see the club upgrade. And and I do think you saw from Chicago, you know, kind of why like that. That is a hopscotch um, power play one. Not and a lot of talent. Not a lot of talent out there on the ice for Chicago. That's got to be one of the least talented PP ones we've seen. Yeah. And and one last thing, the bottom of the league right now is so weak. Right, like the San Jose Sharks uh, have been Chicago. outscored by ninety. The Blackhawks have been outscored by sixty. Like those two teams are, you know, well outside the normal range for a bad team right? They're really bad. And I do think it's worth noting at least that this year, it's not like they're tanking intentionally. It's like the San Jose Sharks are kind of strangled by the mm-hmm. win-now mentality that they had. Like, Logan Couture played his second game of the year last night against LA. Actually looked good. Uh, scored a sick goal on the, in the shootout. Um, but, like, he I, I went to check because he's playing well. He's a center. He's defensively reliable. You know what I mean? Like, yep. he's literally flying out there against this, the Kings. I'm like, oh, hey. I know. Logan Couture. Four years? Yeah, three more years after this one. Oh, eight, my God. At $8 million. That blew my mind. Th- I was just like,
0: no! And he's 34.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they're they're paying the bill for that. And then this Blackhawks side, like, early in the year, I was watching them thinking, hey, you know, like, this team's not going to be a pushover night to night. But when you lose Taylor Hall, Connor Bedard, Corey Perry, um, you know, and, and then you keep going down the list, right? Because it's like they trade for Anthony Beauvillier lose him like it's just astonishing how many bodies they're down they they weren't designed to be one of the worst teams in the league they were built to be like uh, uh, the 28th best team and a yeah. striver and it's just too bad what what injuries have done to yeah, the yeah and you know I'll say obviously the Canucks
0: win 2 nothing, but After they go up to nothing, you know, it was a much more competitive game. And I did see some fretting like, oh, why didn't they really take this, you know, put the screws to this team? And, you know, we've seen them remember they scored 10 on the Sharks earlier in the year. Like we've seen them have these kind of uh, momentous nights against bottom feeders in the league. But I got to say, watching that game, it felt to me like the reverse or the inverse of a game we've seen. The other way, go the other way for the Canucks a lot of times in recent years where if you wanted to, if you were analyzing that game from a Blackhawks perspective and you wanted to kind of squint and find a moral victory after the game, you probably could, right? Hey, that's one of the best teams in the league. We're undermanned. You know, we were on the road and we played them really hard, right? We outworked them and we stuck in that game and we had our chances. Yeah. You know, you could have that takeaway, but really what happened is the much better team, the Canucks, Went up two nothing within what five minutes, and yeah. then knew they were going to win the game. And we've seen really good teams do that to the Canucks in years past, right? Where you can look after the game, and be like, "Hey, the Canucks kept it pretty close, but really they were never in the game." That was the
1: Blackhawks last night. Mm-mm-mm. Love a moral victory. Yeah. No, the, the what was the phrase that I've used in the past? The pat on the head. Yeah, that was a pat on the head game from yep. the Canucks to the Blackhawks. Nice to be the patter right like much, yeah. much better to be the padded, Absolutely. Than the padded so I mean I would you have loved to see and I, I do think especially you know with uh, no Rick I don't, I truly don't think it matters at all like I don't th- I think anyone taking a like well they didn't perform that great out of that game like You get the two points. You get the shutout win. Yeah. You get the regulation clear victory. You get to distribute ice time evenly because the game's never in doubt. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've got two games left before the All-Star game. You escape with no injuries. Like, at this point, we're kind of locked into this holding pattern. Like, anytime this club plays an overmatched helplessly outgunned side like Chicago and it looks anything like that, that's like template. That's perfect. That's exactly what we're talking about over the balance of the season. Uh, If anything, it's just a game that reminds you that like, do we need 82 of these? (laughs) Yeah. Do we?
0: Love for that to be the takeaway from a game. Was this completely superfluous and unnecessary? (laughs) Yes. Uh, The only thing, and this is like really pure nitpicking, (laughs) the only thing I would have preferred is if... The lotto line had had a big night. If the lotto line had like played three wicked shifts early and scored a goal and then put it into cruise control, you know what I mean? Because sure. I do think we're getting into this spot where it's kind of like, okay, how long is the leash going to be for the lotto line? I think as long as they keep winning and it's easy and relatively comfortable, like it was for them last night, then there's no real impetus to, to switch things up. Especially, I thought the other three lines all had their moments last night. And in particular, I mean, Andre Kuzmenko yeah, was a, nice a spinning game. assist, uh, strong. Game for him. I mean, (laughs) I don't don't think it changes the calculus for Andre Kuzmenko. We know he can do things like that, but still good to see him do it and get a little bit of confidence.
1: I mean, that throwback, protect the puck, feather the puck through defensive structure to teammate in Quiet Ice. Like, it's fun to see him do stuff like that. It's fun to see him try things. You know, I I would just say before we get carried away, and and this is going to sound. Um, More critical than I intend intend on it. But, like, I do think to change the narrative, we need to see one of those, like, statement-type games. Like, I was more impressed with him against Toronto. Sure. Even though he had no points and didn't do anything spectacular that dropped your jaw, um, you know, he had that, like, shift where he generated a chance, set up a chance, drew a penalty in the third period, right? Like, that, to me, matters more because, you know... Kuzmenko dunks on San Jose and Chicago is like something we've now seen a couple times and we know he can do that that's not it's the Florida game it's the Toronto game like it's those games where you know might I still think it's fair to have some concerns and I say this is someone who's long expected like yeah. as Kuzmenko's become sort of the the market um goat here like I you know I think we're re- I think we've been reminded the last couple games that he's pretty good one last takeaway on that though yeah. really quick I do think the do you, so sorry let me phrase this as a question for you. Does the fact that that top line isn't cooking at the moment, 5 on 5, and the fact that Suter Mikheyev, Kuzmenko have like more than held, they've mm-hmm. looked pretty good. Does that in any way alter your calculus for like top 6 center versus top 6 winger at the deadline?
0: Not really. It might make me slightly more comfortable going winger than center, right? Because just it, it kind of gives you the feeling of flexibility. Like, hey, we can do a bunch of different things here if we have to, you know, keep the lot of line together or if we or it gives us the option to keep the lot of line together or, hey, we really like what Suter is doing at second line center. So if we get a winger, we can pair him there and maybe bring out some more offensive upside. I think it gives you more flexibility, but I don't think you look at it and say, okay, we we really want to keep Pugh Suter at center. Therefore, we're going to target a winger. You yeah. know what I mean? You're still more than fine. And I would still have it as my number one target target to go out and add a center. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because but, the thing with but Pugh Suter is wide a margin? No, it probably narrows the margin a little bit.
1: <laughs> can, can I? But, but that's it. the great thing about Pugh Suter is you can use him anywhere. And you can do literally anything in the lineup for you. Well, that's one of the edges of getting, if you get a top six center or you get a second line center, mm-hmm. you also are upgrading your fourth line center, right? Like you're also yes. creating this Pugh Suter, Lafferty, Hoaglander fourth line that's like, could be an absolutely serviceable third line on most teams. Yep. Yeah. That's the sort of edge that I think can make a difference. Can I can I tell you a stunning stat that I just read? Sure. Please do. 117 minutes 43 seconds, okay? Yeah. JT Miller and Elias Petterson have played together this season. Canucks are plus 6 by goal differential, so that's the good news. I'm going to start with the good news. Yeah. 76 shots for 96 shots against. Woo. 103 shot attempts for 130 shot attempts against. Would you believe that? No, especially not how they started it, right? On those
0: first couple of games on the road trip, or first three games on the road trip.
1: That game against New Jersey, it was like 25 minutes in before the Devils crossed the blue line. Yep. You know, like I thought they should get us, get seven points for crossing the plane. They still might not have won that game, you know. so yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting. It's it's interesting that that line's gone a little flat. But but again, it's that that time of year too. Everyone's looking ahead to travel plans. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. this has been a grind. I you know, we're we're gonna see. I I, I want to see this. Line get a shot on the other side of the All Star break when you know they're playing the Jets twice and the Avs and the and the Kings and the Golden Knights. Like I at least want to see it tested, you know, in in a fire and brimstone sort of atmosphere, a higher leverage game before yeah. we abandon before this you completely. Uh, yeah,
0: I I, I agree. With like that. you've
1: and got you've got Carolina Boston coming out of the out of the yeah. All Star break. Like I want to see it against Carolina Boston on the road before before we really like put it this way. Are Miller and Pedersen going to get outshot by 20 over their next 100 minutes together? 0 Probably not. Because no so chance. much
0: of that was it was on the long road trip. It was They had to lead for so much of it. You know what I mean? There was no, kind but of most caveats. of it's late. Most of it's of late. <laughs> that's fair, and especially, I guess, the Leafs, I guess, was probably a big one in terms of the shot attempts, for yeah, sure. And, and
1: last night. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I it's really been like, I don't think it was on the road. It, it, it Maybe may against Buffalo a little bit, but, like, they played pretty good against Pittsburgh. So, no, I think that's... Um, I think it's a relatively new development anyway last thing I'll say on Kuzmenko
0: is just because you know every and this is going to happen right the player in the doghouse they get a couple points they make some good plays and all of a sudden it's like oh people still want to trade Andre Kuzmenko and what I'll say is I don't think from Rick Tockett's perspective that there's any amount of spin passes like that that are going to kind of change the calculus on Andre Kuzmenko right that's not what it's fundamentally about the team has always known he has that skill in his game and he has that ability it's about earning the trust of Tockett I did think it was notable that he was out there late in the game. Now it's a two-goal lead. It's not a one-goal lead. And, you know, it's a, it's the Blackhawks, so that gives Tockett a little bit of freedom. But the question for me is still, between now and the trade deadline, what are the chances that Andre Kuzmenko earns that trust from Rick Tocket? And the two points doesn't really change that calculus for me.
1: Yeah, he was out killing the game late, though, so that was good, and I thought he had a good performance against the Maple Leafs. I think he's turned a corner. Like, I'm seeing at least signs that we're going to see something more closely approximating an effective, you know, Mm -hmm. second-line caliber, somewhat one-dimensional, contributing offensive winger. Like, I'm, I'm more confident after this week that we're going to get that player here down the stretch for the Canucks. And then the question is, is, is that an area that you need to improve on? Because again, this is where we start to raise the bar, right? Like yep. the, the thing I said about the penalty kill, huge smashing organizational success to be, even if you're, even if you're, Average, right? They're above 80% now, 15th in the league by penalty kill rate. If that's who they really are, and I think they're probably a few places lower, like 17, to 18 range, slightly below average. But to get there is a smashing success from the perspective of making the playoffs, right? You take a penalty in game two of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs against, you know, the legendary Edmonton Oilers power play mm-hmm. and you're already down one nothing in the series, you want better than below average. You want better than average even, right? So it's like you, you have to start sort of tweaking this standard a little bit and and you know, with Kuzmenko, it's like, I think he's turning the corner. I think he's a better player than he's shown this season. I, I buy Rutherford's line. He's going to score again but up one, looking down Rick Tocket looks down his bench. Game six one goal game. How much is Kuzmenko playing? Like you, you yep. do have to start to evaluate the roster based off of who do I want trailing with my season on the line? Yep. Who do I want to hold a lead with my season on the line? And that's sort of the the standard that I think they'll have to apply to Kuzmenko. A game against Chicago, as impressive as it was, as convinced I am that he's turning the corner, doesn't make a difference. And that's difference. the thing; it's, it's we your, basically you, abandoned the whiteboard. Yeah, today. I know. We'll get back into it in a second here,
0: but you got to. Um You're running out of runway for him to change your mind on that is Mm. the thing. You have to make that decision by the deadline. Once you're there, it's your past point of no return, and then he's in your lineup. So he has he has to do enough to change what the coaching staff thinks on that question before March eighth. And that's tough. That's not a lot of time to do that. Okay, quickly, broadsheet rumor roundup uh on the whiteboard. Just a couple things I wanted to note from our our own Satyar Shah on Canucks Central. Uh noting that When the Canucks and the Flames were talking about Chris Tanev in the past, Calgary was very, very interested in Niels Hoaglander. And I also thought it was interesting that Sat noted that uh, Jonathan LeCaramacki would only be moved for a player with term coming back, which I think obviously logically makes sense, right? Because it's more valuable to go after a player with term. Interesting framing, though, and very different than... LaCaramacki is un- untouchable, or LaCaramacki's yep. not in play. So I think we, we'll, we'll, you had a good piece uh, discussing trade tiers.
1: We can get into it at the a athletics, more. so we'll yeah. talk
0: about it a little bit later, but I just want to note that uh, from Sat last night on Canuck Central. Has Batch got the lineups yet? I don't think so. Batch is too busy tweeting about metallic helmets at yeah. practice. He's off his game. He did note that. Uh, oh, he's was- got
1: them. He's got them. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, Hughes Horonic back together, Zadorov Myers. So changes on the Canucks blue line, no changes up top, big line stays together. He did note also that there was no
0: Thatcher Demko at practice, but he said likely just a maintenance. Day oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Thatcher Demko. leave so. Batch alone, man.
1: Let him do his job. What? What do you mean? <laughs> what? Jamie just like calling Batch out because he didn't have the lineup out right when he wanted
0: it. I rely
1: on his tweets. Trance isn't there.
0: I got. I got. I need. I need the lineup he, tweet. He on. had it
1: out. I mean, B- Brendan Bumblebee Bachelor is too interested in the Transformers helmets. <laughs> I'm just saying there were multiple. Was yellow, there were multiple. Huh? There were multiple Humble helmet tweets. Well, I know, but he's not wearing the metal helmet. He's just like, ooh, look, the Canucks are Decepticons now. Every, for the record, every reporter I practice today, what talked about the helmets? It's not just batch. Leave Batch alone. Let him do his job. Wow. I will not leave Batch alone. Uh, there's your lineup Ow, notes. Dom.
0: We'll, we'll see if we hear from uh, from Rick Talk at Dom, later, and we can Dom's play thirty two defenses show. of Brendan
1: Batchelor over here.
0: Yeah, that's my guy. Leave Batch alone. <laughs> that's your guy, really. Is Batch your guy?
1: He's another United fan? Oh, okay. okay. Dom, thirty two pieces of jet gear. schmatty. That's you Right now, I'm wearing an AlfaTauri hoodie, Formula One today.
0: <laughs> all right playoff forecast uh pacific division full-on two-horse race now between the canucks and the edmonton oilers <laughs> as
1: we all expect which is wild <laughs> if you would told me that a month ago oh, i would have it's, ins- uh, it's I completely fallen ridiculous
0: canucks were projected to have a
1: 59 percent chance to win well, the division edmonton at 29 percent, and the kings blew um yep. well actually they came back but they nearly blew it against the san jose sharks and then did lose in, in the shootout so they tied a really ugly or a really bad sharks team. Um Caco though, they lost to their future goaltender, their future <laughs> playoff starter. They're going to go get him. Uh, yeah, they, they so should. Both, He's
0: good. both Vegas and LA now single digits probability to win uh, the Pacific per Don- unbelievable, Don's bottle, which eh? is a, a wild turn of events and I did want to note Canucks now projected to finish with 110 points, which would put them second place in the Western Conference behind only the Winnipeg Jets who are projected to finish
1: with 112. Incredible stuff. By the way, so the The thing I want to note is, um, in some books, in some places, the Canucks are beginning to get some real respect like at at there are there are some British books, for example, where the Oilers have emerged as the Stanley Cup favorite, and then there's a tier of the Canucks Jets and Bruins, and then the Avs wow so in 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 some places, the Canucks are beginning to get some real two win Stanley Cup expense. But if you like the Canucks to win the Stanley Cup, if you want to ride with that, do shop around because Mm. the consensus at the other popular sports books still has them 17, 18, 20 to one. This team is still like ninth or 10th favorite consensus in terms of their Stanley Cup favorite odds. And at some point, given where they stand, you know, given what they've accomplished, that actually becomes like a fade. Yeah. You know, um, you get 19 to 20 to
0: one is like that, that's getting to be pretty interesting with the way they're playing and the likelihood that they could make do something at the deadline and all of that and the, yeah. the openness of the field.
1: Well, the, the only thing I'm I'd, not
0: saying it's wildly underpriced, but that's that's an, that's not like, oh, there's no point in betting because it's the odds
1: aren't good enough. You know what I mean? That's starting no. to get interesting. I think the only the only real hesitation from like this is a pure pricing yeah. piece of analysis for me. The only real hesitation is I'd be pretty reluctant to. To try to pick a long shot from the Pacific. Right. Because I just have too much respect for Vegas and even LA, despite the sputtering that they've done of late. I think those teams are legit. And so I think that's just, at the end of the day, all four of those teams, um, especially if Vancouver or Edmonton doesn't win the West outright, face the hardest path. So that that would be something that I'd be... Nervous about I suppose in, in sort of factoring in that price Otherwise the Canucks remain the favorite um, For in Jack Adams Futures voting uh, Rick Tockett a heavy favorite to win that award As he has been all year They remain the favorite in Norris voting And um, yes they also are tied Thatcher your is still tied With Connor Hellebuck as the favorite for the Vesna
0: that's the whiteboard for today we got back into it we just took our time getting there to the other parts of but we did it we, we did, did
1: the whiteboard board. we love talking about Chicago <laughs> baby <laughs>
0: Who does it? for today January 23rd uh and now we'll talk a little bit about St. Louis we'll <laughs> continue the central division theme Jeremy Rutherford of course covering uh the blues for the athletic he joins us next here on Canucks Talk Sports at 650. <laughs>